If you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. What an inspiring message. What a, a motivating message. Something that especially in today's world, when there are so many things that we don't understand, so many things that are wrong, but so many would try to tell us are right. How important it is for us as children of God to, to be willing to take a stand. But you know, there's a little more to this than meets the eye. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything, but you could lose everything. We don't always throw that part on the end, do we? That's a little depressing sounding. We don't like that part. We like the first part. It motivates us. But for any of us who've lived any amount of time and maybe experienced it ourselves or observed it in others who have, we know that this statement is a reality. That if you stand for something, especially in a society where the majority, not the minority, but the majority of people around you will disagree with that for which you stand, you run a very high risk of losing everything. You know, it takes conviction to bring about change in our life, in the lives of those we love, in the lives of the world around us. It's a conviction that if you go back to the first century, and especially as you go throughout that very powerful book called Acts, you see a conviction there in the first century church that is, is so near. You see individuals like Stephen like our brother David mentioned just a few moments ago. A man who helped play a part, if you will, in, in turning this world of ours upside down. He was one of seven men who were chosen to distribute food to the widows. But why was he chosen? For us, for us, we might say, well, let's see. Uh you know what, he probably had a, a really flexible schedule that would allow him to, to do that. Or, or maybe, maybe we would look at it and say, well, obviously, Stephen was just really well known that he, he just worked well with elderly people. Was that the kind of qualities that brought about Stephen being chosen for that particular assignment? Let's go back to the Word of God and read it together in Acts chapter 6. I'm going to begin there in verse 3. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among, your, from among you seven of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. I'm sure Stephen had a lot of good characteristics. I'm sure there were a lot of good qualities about this man. But it was his character. And that was his character first and foremost 
that brought about this appointment. This is why he was one of the ones that was chosen. He was a man full of what? Full of faith. He was a man full of the Holy Spirit. He was a man, if you go a little bit further down in that same text, verse 8, says he is full of grace and power. Wow. Listen, I know it doesn't always work this way in the world around us, but it certainly should always be this way in the kingdom of God. Character matters most. It shouldn't be about education or intellect or popularity or even past experiences or even personality. Well, those things are good. Those things matter. But those things should never trump character. What good is it? What good is it if a person has all the talent in the world, but they have no character? What good does that serve? Character always matters most. Even more than conviction. Listen, we may be convicted. We may be convicted that we truly believe that all people are created in the image of God. That may be a conviction of ours. But if we continue to make snide remarks about people who are different than us, our character really suffers. We may be a people who really are convicted. We really do believe that it is more blessed to give than to receive. But you know what? Our character really takes a hit as we continue to show ourselves stingy at times and, and un unworthy to help other people and to, to meet their needs. So you see, conviction is something that's very, very important. But character should actually fuel our conviction. Character should matter more to us than even conviction itself. And that's why it becomes so important that we are a people who are constantly striving, constantly trying to grow in our character. This is an area of our spiritual life that we can never get too much of. Like We can never get too good when it comes to the character that's in our lives. Alright, so if we want to have character like the first century Christians, if we want to have character that is strong as a man like Stephen's, well, where does that come from? How can that begin to grow in our own personal lives? We go back to Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. You see, they weren't just dabbling in Jesus. They were actually devoted to Jesus. There's a big difference there. Sometimes our temptation is to just kind of dabble in Jesus. You know, we, we play church, we play Christian whenever it's convenient for us from Sunday to Sunday, but eh, devoted. That carries a, a much deeper meaning, doesn't it? That, that carries a much deeper level of commitment. And, and here we see that the first century church, and they were devoted Christians. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. In other words, they were devoted to studying and learning the very Word of God. They were devoted to fellowship. In other words, they were devoted to spending time one with another. They were devoted to breaking of bread. They were devoted to spending time focusing on the life, death, and the resurrection of Jesus, even as they took of the Lord's Supper, just as we did a few moments ago, they were devoted to, to their very prayer life, to speaking to God. And what an amazing thing that is. What a wonderful opportunity to be able to speak to God. 
in all of these spiritual disciplines, each one of them will continue to instill Christ-like behavior in all of us. If we will, we'll just be a little more devoted. Don't just play Christianity. But be devoted to Christ as those who have come before us. Men and women like Stephen. He was convicted to be a true disciple of Christ. So much so that he was willing to serve. He was willing to meet the needs of the widows. He was willing to help distribute food to those in need. But his conviction went further than just that beautiful servant's heart. He then was also ready and willing to go about boldly proclaiming Jesus Christ in the synagogues. Now, how, how well do you think it went over for Stephen to go to the, to the synagogues and to preach Jesus? Okay, this is making a little bit light of it, but I, I think it will help us understand it. It was a lot worse than saying roll tide on Tumor's Corner. Okay? It would be a lot worse than saying War Eagle underneath at Brian Denny Stadium. Okay? Like, we, we can kind of understand that a little bit better. But it would be a whole lot worse for Stephen to go into the synagogues and preach Jesus than to even do those things. Let's see what the reaction was to the preaching of Stephen as he preached the Gospel of Christ. Chapter 7, verse 54 says, Now when they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at Him. You go down to verse 57. They cried out with a loud voice. They stopped their ears and rushed together at Him. Then they cast Him out of the city and stoned Him. And they witnesses, the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. As they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep. Stephen is the very first martyr, is the word we use sometimes. He is the first person to ever lose everything for taking a stand. He lost his life for the cause of Christ. He was willing to stand up and say, This is wrong. This is right. And they stoned him. Today, today we have a lot of opinions about Jesus. But we don't really have the strong convictions that we should have. You say, well, how do I know? I can tell you how I know. Because for so many of us, when we are faced with moments where we think something dear to us, that we may lose it. Whether it's a, a relationship, whether it's a job opportunity, whether it's our own popularity, whenever we're faced in a moment where we are afraid we are going to lose something near and dear to us, we take a seat. We don't stand up. We don't want to lose the things that are precious to us in this life. And so we will hush. We will 
sometimes even worse than hushing, we will actually begin to adhere to the very things, the very beliefs that we were once trying to take a stand against. All for the sake of not rocking the boat. All for the sake of not not hurting anyone's feelings around us. When so many before us, men like Stephen, lost their life because they were willing to stand for that which is right. You see, that's conviction. And in those moments, church, when we are tempted to walk away, if you will, or to hush, please remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, there beginning of verse 24, Jesus told His disciples, if anyone would come after Me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow Me. For who would ever save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for My sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gained the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Conviction. Conviction is something that is so needed. But let's talk about conviction for a minute. Conviction is not a license to be a jerk. It's just not. Probably some of the most hateful attitudes and actions that I have seen and experienced through the years have came from Christians who were doing or saying what they were doing or saying in the name of standing for the truth of God. And you know what happens in those moments? That which they're standing for is not heard because of how they went about presenting it. I'm going to tell you, church, the reality is we are never standing for Jesus when we're acting like Satan. Okay? So so don't forget that. Don't ever let your conviction become so strong that you think it justifies having a bad, ungodly attitude. Another thing to understand before I go on, we may be wrong. Whatever the conviction may be that we have, we may be wrong. We may have a conviction that runs so deep in us, that that runs to the very core of our being. But it doesn't mean we're right. There's always room for improvement. There's always room to learn more. There's always room to have a better understanding. And just because we think we're right, it doesn't mean that we always are. Let's talk about the Jews for a moment that got so angry that Stephen was preaching to. You talk about a group of convicted individuals. They were convicted. Their conviction, among other things, was that there was one God, that He was their God, that He was not anyone else's God, and that if you wanted to worship the one God, then you would go to Jerusalem where they had built the temple, and that's where He lived. And you had to make that journey if you really wanted to worship God. That's how you did it. They had actually boxed God in, if you will. They'd given Him His own house. But listen to how Stephen actually refutes that. 
Not with His words, but with the words of Isaiah. Heaven is my throne. The earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? What is the place of my rest? Did not my hand make all these things? So it's possible. It's possible to have a conviction that is so strong, but we're still not right. And how sad it is in those moments when we're unwilling, we're unwilling to hear what's truth. Listen to what Stephen would go on to say because there was a refusal on their part to hear. Verse 51, he said, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. It is so dangerous for us, church. So dangerous for us as individuals to hold so tightly onto some political or personal or, or even some theological conviction that we absolutely refuse to hear the Word of God. And when that happens, what are we doing? We're doing the same thing that the Jews did here. We are resisting the Holy Spirit. And, and how tragic it is. How tragic it is when we refuse to, to let go of some conviction we hold and truly be right with God because there's just so much pride in us. And we just, we're just not going to let go of that which we've held on to for so very long. Are there convictions in your life that you need to let go of? If you're not sure, all you have to do is take your convictions. Do they align with the Word of God? If they don't, let them go. Whether they be political, social, theological, personal, whatever those convictions may be, if your conviction does not, uh, as my grandfather used to say, if it doesn't jihad with the Word of God, then let it go. And hold to that which is true. That which is unchanging. That which is forever. You know, standing with Jesus is one of the hardest things that we can do, that we'll ever do. But I want us to know that whenever we do stand for Jesus, we're not alone as we stand there. We go back to chapter 7 and verse 54. It says, when they heard these things, they were enraged. They ground their teeth at Him. But He, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And He said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Now, typically, as we go through Scripture and we see this description, we see the description of Jesus being that He's what? He's seated, seated at the right hand of God. That's where He's at. He's, set, he's sitting there. But here, in this particular case, He's standing. You say, what's so significant about that? I don't know for certain. I don't know that the Bible tells us directly. But maybe what we see here is we see Jesus standing because He is standing as a, as a man 
who is convicted, not of his own will, but he is convicted by the will of Jesus. He is convicted by the name of Jesus. He is convicted to carry out the cause of Christ to the point he is, he is about to lay down his life. He's about to give everything for Jesus. And here Jesus is, standing in approval, standing to be his advocate, standing maybe to welcome him home. When you stand for Jesus, you are never standing alone. Now, understand that as we do stand for Christ, there will be those moments we will lose. We will. We'll lose things in this life when we stand for Jesus. But it's not in vain. If you go over to the very next chapter, chapter 8 and verse 1, it says Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostle. Listen, the death of Stephen was absolutely tragic. But the death of Stephen was not in vain. What is it that we see happening following the death of Stephen? The church is scattered. And they're not running in fear. They're taking the message of Jesus Christ to the furthest most points of the earth. This is the point. This is the starting point. Whenever you talk about taking the Gospel into the world, this is that point. It's at the death of Stephen that finally the church goes, you know what? We need to get out of Jerusalem. <laughs> we need to branch out. We've got to get outside of our comfort zone. So it wasn't in vain. You and I, all these many years later, we still look to Stephen as an example. It wasn't in vain. When you lose things for the cause of Christ, it's not in vain. It may be the very moment that it renews a commitment in someone. They may look at your example and they may say, man, if they're that committed to Jesus, I know I need to be more committed. It may be that moment that you'll never know about. It renews their faith. It may be that moment that someone who's not in Christ, they look at you and they see your faithfulness and they see your strength and they see your dignity as you go through the hardships of this life. And they say, what is it about you that makes you different? You seem to just be able to handle all of these storms of life so much differently than anyone else I know. What is the difference between me and you? And you know the answer. It's Jesus. Yes, we all experience heartache. Yes, we all experience loss. And I don't know for certain how Jesus is going to use all the loss in our life, but I know He will. If you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. But church, let's make sure that we are standing for Jesus. This morning, the opportunity is for all of us. If we are a child of God's, the opportunity, the invitation today is to renew that commitment to stand for Jesus. And to no longer just try to hide with your head in the sand and to ignore the things that go on around you, but to be willing to take a stand. 
Or maybe you're not a child of God's. Maybe today is your opportunity to to give your life, to fully surrender to He who's given you everything. He who's given you His life. Jesus Christ died on the cross so that you and I could have forgiveness of our sins. So that we could experience salvation through the blood of Jesus. So that we could live this life with the hope of of heaven, with the hope of life everlasting. So that we could live this life even in the face of adversity, knowing that we're not alone. That we have a Savior who is standing for us. Maybe you need to give your life this morning. The water's ready if you are. If we can help you in any way, won't you come as we stand and sing?